Do we have some? Okay, here we go. Walking in the light. All right, so in, God called my wife and I into to missions like 22, 23 years ago, and we left for the field in 2001. And so in my work, I do, a lot of, I do a lot of maps. So I put a quick one together just to kind of show you the two places where God's had us live. Go ahead and go to the next slide. Uh, so, we've been, so we first started out in Recife, Brazil, over there in the, that, that star on the right. And we were there, we worked in a seminary and worked with students planting churches, and we did that for just over eight years and loved it. And then in 2009, we moved over to Lima, Peru, and we've got an office there, so I work on the leadership team for the Americas, the missionaries in Americas, all the way from Mexico all the way down. And so we, we have that office there, so I moved from Recife over to Lima. And... That's kind of been our journey in Recife. Uh, right before we left, we picked up a kid. I say picked up. We adopted our son David from from Recife, and so then he just kind of grew up and he spoke Spanish, and then we changed. I mean, Portuguese, and then we changed that on him to Spanish as we move over there. So, so that's a little bit about us. Uh, when you send out missionaries, you've got to have three things. Let's go back. You've got to have three things that, that work together uh, to, to make this happen. First of all, you, God's got to move in the hearts and call people into missions, right? It, I mean, that's the first thing. And then those missionaries got to, got to understand that call and respond to that call and go. But then the third thing that's very important is churches send missionaries. And without churches sending missionaries, the whole thing doesn't work, Right? All right, so go to the next one. So one of the things that I want to say to you, the first two words that I want to make sure you hear is the words thank you. Because you are one of those churches that send out missionaries. There's me, and there's my, my wife, and then there's like 3,600 more of us. Do you want their names? Yeah, no, we won't do that this morning. But like, and, and because you are a Southern Baptist church and you send out missionaries, you support missionaries. And so we're all in this together, right? And so I just want to say thank you. I want to be a missionary that comes back and gets in front of churches and says, thank you. Now, let me thank you for some specific things. First of all, you give to missions, right? So when you put in a dollar or two dollars or how much money you put in for Lottie Moon and to the cooperative program, that goes to help me with a place to live. Like you rent an apartment for me. I've got a vehicle that I can drive. I've got some money that I can actually do ministry with. You see what I'm saying? All that money that you give goes to missionaries to help put them on the field and then to do the work that God's called them to do. So thank you for that. I don't, missionaries know that it's a sacrifice. When you put that money in there, you're not just, hey, I've got all this spare money laying around. If you're like that, can we talk later? But, but you're sacrificing, right? You're sacrificing to give to missions. And so thank you for that. We know that it's that. And thank you also for praying for missionaries. How many of you pray for missionaries? Okay, please pray for your missionaries. We need that so much. As you can imagine, being overseas and working overseas is very difficult. You get over there, you can't even speak the language. You've got to learn. You're just, oh my goodness, it's so frustrating. And then... Even when you learn the culture and the language and you're in the work, it can still be very frustrating. Uh, And so there have been probably in the last 21 years, maybe three or four times that I've gone, okay, this is it. I'm done. I'm out. I'm going back to Texas. 
And right about that, when I get really serious about it, I get an email or I'll get a text from somebody that says, hey, man, I just prayed for you today. Thank you for the work you're doing. Hang in there. And I'm like, well, I can't go back after that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so thank you for praying. It really does encourage us and keeps us on the field and helps the work move forward. So thank you for that. And also thank you for teaching missions and valuing missions. So in about 17 years, I will leave the mission field and come back to, to Texas. I'll retire and come back. And who's going to replace me? Like my plane's coming back, but who's going to be on the plane going over? Well, it's the people right here that you're preparing right now to go out to missions. Are you preparing young people to go be missionaries? I think you are. So thank you for that. Thank you for teaching that. So anyway, I just want to, those are my first two words is thank you. Okay. Now I've got a whole bunch of other words. Okay. Uh, so we'll do that. So let's go on to the next slide. I was really encouraged talking to your pastor and how y'all are in the book of John. I love the book of John. Does anybody like the gospel, like that's their favorite. And so how many of you, your first Bible verse that you ever learned was John what? 316. So we can all say it. All right. So just, I mean, John is just like, you know, the book. Do you remember, like when I was a little kid, we learned this, learned this song, This Little Light of Mine. Did y'all, y'all got that song, This Little Light of Mine? That comes from John's, yeah, and you held up your hand like that. Exactly. You want to come and do it? That's all right. Um, you know, and that, that comes from John's writing. In fact, we're going to look at that today. So what I want to do, if you have your Bibles, turn or turn on your Bibles to uh, John chapter 1, and we're going to look in verses 4 and 5. The first, first 18 verses of John are what they call the prologue. And in these first 18 verses, this is what's happening. John is introducing all the themes that he's going to develop all the way through the book. So if you see anything in the first 18 verses, you're, you can bet you're going to see it develop through the rest of the book, okay? And so in John verses 4 and 5, he kind of paints this picture of spiritual reality. This is, what spirit, this is what spiritual reality is like, and he puts it in terms of light and darkness, okay? So let me read this. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. All right? So this is John kind of setting it up for us. So what he's saying is, all right, we live in a world of darkness, right? You get that, right? That we're not in heaven yet? Okay, you get that. We live in a world, a fallen world where things don't go right a lot of the times, okay? So this is this world separated from God that doesn't have a relationship with God. We live in this dark world, and into this darkness comes the light, all right? So who are we talking about? The light is who? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is coming in to this dark world, and in Jesus, in the light, is what? It's life, right? Spiritual life. So life is in the light, which is Jesus, and he's coming into and in this dark world, right? So if life is in the light, and that's Jesus coming into the dark world, what's in the dark world? Spiritual what? Death. Separation. You're just not with God. You're far away from God, right? So, so this is what John paints for us, is this is how like the spiritual world works, right? There's darkness. There's light. There's death and there's life, and that's it. It's not complicated. 
Okay, sometimes we want to make discussions about spirituality and religion very complicated. Do you do that? You can do that. I mean, I'm just saying we do, right? And we make it complicated. What John would say to us today is it's just not that complicated. There are just two options. There's not a gray area. There's not a third option. Reality is not what you wish it was. There's either death and darkness and light and life in Jesus Christ, and that's it. And everybody is going to be identified with one of those two. That's it. All right. So what does this darkness mean? Let's go back and let's look at this. We live in this dark world. Go ahead. Next slide. Okay, so you go back to Genesis 3, right? And darkness has dominated creation since the fall. You remember the fall, right? What happened in the fall? All right, Adam and Eve, they made some bad decisions. And that not only affected them, that messed up all of us, right? So we have this tendency, we call it our fallen nature. We have this tendency to sin. We can't help it. We are sinners. It's not that we just do something bad, but we are sinners. We have sin and we're separated from God. And thank you, Adam and Eve, right? But don't just blame them because you do bad stuff too. You have done bad stuff. I put myself in that category. We're all sinners, right? And we, you know, humanity has fallen. We're separated from God. Okay, that's, that's in Genesis 3. Then you go all the way to the end of Bible, Revelation 21, and what do we see? That darkness will ultimately be destroyed completely. Ultimately, completely, I put both those words in there, with the new creation, with the creation of the new heaven and the new earth. So darkness is going to go away. This, we're in just kind of between Genesis 3 and Revelation 21. We're in this between time, right? When we live in this dark world, the light is here, but we're still a dark world. And we're waiting for heaven when all this stuff is going to go away. Right? Okay, so this is this dark world that we live in, right? Now, what does Jesus have to say about this? What is Jesus later on? John's developing these things, themes. He quotes Jesus. Look at how Jesus puts this, next slide, in John 16, 33. He says, in the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I've overcome the world. When we think of promises of Jesus, we want the, the fuzzy stuff that makes us feel better, Right? And this comes here, but the first part of this is a promise also. He's just stating a fact. In this world, you're going to have tribulation. In this world, you're going to have some pain. In this world, you're going to have suffering. You're going to have sorrow. You're going to have hard times. It's coming. Just be ready for it. Right? I mean, this is just a fact of how it lives. This is not like this deep theology like statement that I'm making, right? This is the 5 o'clock news. Right? You see this world just all a mess. You know, from point to point to point to point to point. It's all a mess, right? And we should expect that. We should be, I mean, we should understand that that's where we are right now. We're in this fallen world. And Jesus said, not only that, but you're going to have pain, personal pain and tribulation in your own life. To his disciples, he was saying, you're about to get persecuted. Big time for me. Stuff is coming to you, all right? But that happens to all of us, not just persecution as we live as Christians, but all this stuff because we live in just this fallen world. But if you get, if you concentrate so much on the fallen world, you miss the second part. What Jesus is saying, the world is fallen and messed up, but hey, be encouraged. Take heart 
because I have overcome the world. You're in this messed up world, but you're with me, and I've already overcome it. So that is good news if you're a Christian. That is bad news if you don't know Jesus. That's what Jesus says. All right, so you're going to have... um, this suffering and persecution, but Jesus is with you. One of the things I would encourage you to do is, you, is, a, is a pastor, you know, before we went to the mission field, and even on the mission field, I talked to a lot of people, and a lot of folks, when something bad happens, they want to ask the why questions. Do you do that? Do you get caught up in the why questions? Why is this happening? Why is this happening to me? You know, all that kind of stuff. If you go down, it's fine to ask that, but if you go down that road too far and never just stop and realize, hey, it's happening because I just live in a messed up world and bad stuff happens. I get rear-ended, you know, something, you know, whatever. We can make the list of just stuff that happens, right? But the, 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 the issue is, how do you respond to that? How, do you, how are you going to face that? And it's either you're going to do it with Jesus or you're not going to have Jesus. All right? So let me just kind of tell you a personal story. As I'm walking through the same stuff right now, you know, I was with my dad. So we're back, and, and my family lives in Texas. We're in Texas. Uh, dad said, hey, come to lunch with me. So I go over there, and I'm thinking I'm going to get lunch. Like we're going to go out and eat lunch, right? That's what I'm thinking. And he says, well, on the way to lunch, i got to stop at the doctor's office. I'm like, okay. I do so I walk in there and we go to this doctor's visit. He had had COVID and they did a scan on his lungs because they wanted to see, do they have any residual effects from COVID in your lungs? So we went in uh, waiting for the doctor to tell us about that. The doctor comes in and says, no, you don't have any COVID in your lungs, but we think you've got cancer in your lungs. And I'm like, oh, The pain is real. When you receive bad news and you're walking through this stuff, the pain, the suffering is real. I don't mean to minimize any of that. But man, when you hear this stuff, why did that, you you ask, why did that happen? Well, you can't ask that too long. I mean, dad didn't smoke, uh, you know, but apparently you can get cancer in your lungs without smoking. All right? But the answer ultimately is, We live in a world where there's sin and death because we live in a fallen world. That's the answer. It doesn't make it any less painful, but that's the answer to it. But you can't get stuck in that why, 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 like going down that road and never just like, okay, Jesus is with me and he's here to walk through this with me. All right? So when Jesus is saying this, I've overcome the world. You know, what, what are some other things that he says in this as we walk with him through this, uh, through the, in this world where, where we've got darkness and we're dealing with this stuff? Go ahead to the next slide. Jesus says this. Uh, no, let me say this. So this is kind of the point right now, where we're at right now. As Christ followers, we walk in the light, right? We have real life in Jesus And we have victory in a dark world. Okay, so that's where we are up to this point. That's what John 4 and 5, the spiritual reality is saying. So when we look at that, what is Jesus going to say to us? How do we do that? How do we walk with him? What does that mean? So go to the next slide. He says it like this. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. 
Jesus wants you to have life, and not only just a blah kind of life. He wants you to have abundant life in him. But what does abundant life mean? That all problems go away and life becomes easy? No, that's not what he means. Abundant life in Jesus Christ is being close to Jesus Christ. It is walking with Jesus Christ. It's having that fellowship with him. It's the Christ life. We're all trying to walk together to be close to Jesus, to learn from him, and to live the life, the Jesus life, right? That's what abundant life is, is to live this Jesus kind of life in our specific context. All right, so let's go to the next slide. Go ahead. And another way that he does this, he, say, he says this. He's, he's developing this theme. John is developing this theme. He quotes Jesus when he says, I am the light of the world. Jesus comes out and said it. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So we can be in this world, but we don't have to walk in darkness, just stumbling around, not knowing what's going on, not having somebody with us, just being abandoned. That's not the way the life that Jesus has for us. But he says, whoever follows me. What does that mean exactly, following him? Jesus isn't right here. I can't get in a line behind him and follow him. What does that mean? He gives us a picture. Go to the next slide. So follows. This is what we're looking at. Here's the picture. He puts up another, go ahead to the next one, another verse. And he says it like this. I am the vine and you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. So following, another word to say that is abiding in him. Abiding in Christ. A picture that he gives for us is a grape vine, right? So you've got this grape, you've got the vine, and you've got these branches that come into the vine, right? And he's saying abiding means the branches are connected back into the vine. That's what it means, that there's this connection that remains. And he's saying, if you're connected to me, then the branches stay alive, the, the branches live. The branches bear much fruit. And you can know that they're alive because they're bearing this fruit. Branches that are disconnected from the vine are what kind of branches? Dead branches. They don't have life. That's what John is saying. There's darkness. There's light. There's death. There's life. Those are the only two options. You're either connected. You're not connected. That's it. You're not kind of connected. Okay? And so... This is, this is what Jesus says, is you've got this abide. And it, it points to this, this dependent relationship. The vine's not dependent upon the branches. The branches are dependent upon the vine for life. Are you dependent upon Jesus? Do you do, okay, so we've prayed this prayer and we know, okay, at the time of our death, we're going to go to heaven and stuff because we prayed this prayer and asked God. But, okay, today are you depending on Jesus? You know, tomorrow, every day, that's the, that's the idea behind abiding. We get up and we say, Jesus, I, gotta ha I can't do this. i got to have you to make it through the day. The only way that I can do this is in you. It's to be connected with you. All right, so this is this idea of abides. So we've got this picture, darkness, death, life, 
liked. You know, the only way that we have that is we as Christians, as a church, abide in Christ. And that's what we're talking about. So, when you do that, when you do that, what, what is our, how do we do that? Or what's our responsibility in that? Go to the next slide. Let me, let's put it like this. How do we live in a world filled with darkness? How do we do that? Or what's one of our things that we've got to do? Well, I'm not answer, asking you the question because I, I guess I wrote it up there. Uh, is that we have to point to the light. Okay, so we have to be the ones as the church to point other people who are in darkness to that light. Okay, so you go back and let's go back to these verses. So the next slide here, let's look at this. So in the top verses are the ones that we just read. All right. So in the darkness is not overcome it. Then if you go straight, straight into that connected to that are these words. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to, where, to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. So do you see this connection? There's darkness, there's lightness com- light coming into the world, and then boom, God sent somebody. His name was John. God sent a man into the world. His name was John. Now what about today? God still sends men into the world. God still sends women into the world. God still sends youth into the world. In other words, God sends his church into the world. God still sends people. Do you believe that? Okay, but here's the question. That's easy. Do you believe that you are sent? Okay, God sent me as a missionary first to Recife. Okay, Brazil. But he sends you every day to your families, to your work, to your neighbors, to the people that you have relationships with. He sends you every day. You are a missionary. You are to point people to him because he is the light. All right? Now look at how John does this. This kind of bothers me a little bit. Can I be honest and say it bothers me? I don't know. You can go ahead to the next slide. All right, look at this. The next day, he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then down further, the next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples. Behold, the Lamb of God. Now look at that and I go, I don't know how you work that word behold into the thing today. Does anybody use that word behold? How do you do that? I don't know. You don't have to. Okay, you don't have to use the word behold. But here's the point. Okay, here's the point, right? Somehow, you've got to point people to Jesus. Somehow, you've got to do that. That's what we are to do. Now, my question to you is, how do you point people to Jesus? How do you do it? I would, I would say there are a lot of things out there. You can have this track or this little evangel cube or tell your testimony or whatever. So, but there's no one way that like works for everybody, right? You, you know, because we're all different and we're all talking to people who are different and people who are like us or different from us. And we've got to figure out, okay, what's going to connect with people and how, we, how are we best going to communicate that message? But the point is... Some, you got to figure that out at some point. 
If you're going to be a faithful Christian and follow Jesus, you've got to figure out how you are going to communicate that message and take people to Jesus and point people to Jesus. I would say, and I would just ask you, if you can just honestly say, I have not really figured that out. I have not really figured out how I'm going to share Christ with people. And I would urge you, please go visit with your pastor and say, how do I do this? How do I, just let me practice on you. You look kind of lost anyway. So, you know, not really, but you know, how do I do this and get and figure that out? Because as we move through life, this is one of the things that we have to do is, um, is follow Jesus. It's point people to Jesus as we abide in him. All right. So let me do this. Go to this next slide. So this is a picture of a couple of places in South America, a big city in South America, and then a remote little uh, river area in the Amazon. Okay, and the point is that people need the light wherever they live. So here's what I want you to do, is take those two pictures and in your mind and just take them out of this slide. Then in your mind, walk outside of your house and get into your street and take a picture of your street houses on both sides or how whatever it looks like in your area in your mind take that picture and put that up there then in your mind go to work and take some pictures of people and stick that up there and in your mind I don't know what your Thanksgiving and Christmas holidays look like but if there are people there who don't know Jesus take some pictures of them and stick them up there and then the other relationships that you have do you realize relationships or a gift from God. And if people that you know don't know Jesus, we've got to share Christ with them, right? And so put, put those people up there. And then let's read it again. People need the light wherever they are. God has put you in a specific place, in a specific time, with specific people so that you can point to Him. And that's just the bottom line. All right. So... People need the light. Pastor, what time do we really stop here? Okay, you don't know. I'm going to go do one of those case studies. All right, so here's what I want to do. is Now that we kind of talked about this, I want to say, all right, let's, you're the missionary. So you tell me how you do this, how you communicate, how you point people to the light in a couple of different contexts. So number one, go to this next slide. All right, this is shot of, we're in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Anybody been to Sao Paulo, Brazil? One, big, okay, big place, right? Over 20 million people. Go to the next slide. All right, this is my favorite picture. I mean, the skyscrapers, you can get in the middle of that, and it just never ends. You can't see out there, even on a clear day, <clears throat> the end of skyscrapers. It's hard to, to over, I mean, to, to um, describe how big this place is. Okay, go to the next slide. Right down in the middle of this city is this thing. It's a big building. This, there's a cult in Brazil called Igreja Universal, right? And this is what they think is a replica of Solomon's temple. And they built it in Brazil, all right? And so the idea is, is like everybody at some point comes to this replica of Solomon's temple. Go, go to this next slide. All right, so on this slide, there are two of my buddies there. The guy on the right in the black jacket, his name is Scott. And I said, Scott, do this. Go and stand underneath that pillar there uh, on that left-hand side. So in the picture on the left, see that left-hand pillar on the edge? And see that little black dot down there? That's Scott. 
you see how huge this thing is? So as we're in there, we're talking, the, the, the maintenance and upkeep and electricity on this building is, anybody want to guess? It's over a million dollars a month. Don't ever complain about high electric bills, okay? It's about a million dollars a month, all right? All the stuff that they've got, that they've got going on there. All right, go to the next, the next slide, a couple more pictures of this thing. But here's, here's their message. Here, here's what they say. They say, all right, God loves you, uh, and he wants to bless you. And he wants to provide for you all that you need. Okay? Now, what you need is you need a bigger house. You need a better car. Uh, now, to do all that, you're going to need a better job. And, you know, they kind of don't say it, but they imply, and you're going to, you know, need more people in your life to do this. Anyway, so there's all these things that you need. Now, God loves you, and he wants to give you that. But the Bible says it's, that without faith, it's impossible to please God, right? So you have to demonstrate your faith in God. Now, here's how we're going to do this. We're gonna, we've got this offering plate here. Actually, we've got about 100 of them. This place seats thousands and thousands of people, and they pass the offering plate around. And you, however much money you put in there, that demonstrates how much faith you have. So if you want those doors swung open wide, you've got to put a lot of money in. You just, if you don't put very much money in, you're being very chintzy, and you're not, you guys are not going to bless you. So they do this. It's this, it's this health, wealth, gospel um, and that's what they're saying. Then after they take that first offering, I know I've been there. I didn't believe this. So I went and then they'll pass it around again. Say, all right, now we, we, you put your money in, let me get it down here. But now we want everybody to take out their car keys. We need your cars. We're going to sell your cars. So just drop your keys in there, whatever it is you want to donate. Then after that, they bring it back. And I saw one time where they go, anybody have any house titles? Oh, my goodness. And it's like, it's crazy. All right. So say you're standing out in the street and somebody comes out and goes, well, I don't really know about this. Well, how should I think about this? Now, you can't tell them you're crazy. Um, but what, what do you say? How do you respond? All right. We, so let me just tell you all right, how, how I do it. And say, yeah, God loves you, and he does want what's best for you. But his best for you is not just giving you a bunch of stuff. His best for you is not necessarily a bigger house or a better car or a plastic surgery or whatever it is that's big down there. You know, that's not necessarily God's best for you. What is God's best for you? He wants his best for you, but what is his best for you? To abide in Jesus Christ and be more and more like Jesus every day. That's his best for you. That's what he wants for you. It's not about, all this is, is very, it's, the starting point is the individual person. And what, what do you want? What's going to make you feel better? And that's not, that's not the starting point for us as Christians. God teaches us to, to pray, not my will be me, what I want, but your will be done. And thy kingdom come, right? That's our starting point, is Jesus. 
and not, not this. All right, so this is one. We've got time to do one more real quick. All right, one more real quick. All right, let's go. Next one. All right, so we're going to go. This is in the middle of nowhere. This is still in Brazil. Have you ever heard of the Quilombolas? All right, these guys, go ahead. They are, they are uh, descendants of runaway slaves. So here we finally got out to some. The, the, the characteristics of these guys are that they are very, very isolated. All right, so what you do is you're driving down, you, you start on a highway in a city, and then you kind of get off on a smaller road, and then the smaller road turns into a dirt road. You go to the end of that dirt road, and then you can still kind of drive on these paths through the jungle, okay, and get into the jungle area, the forest area. Then at some point, it just kind of shuts down. You've got to get out of your car. You've got to hike. You're hiking through there. Then go ahead to this next one. The one that we went out to had this like sidewalk looking thing um, made with old planks in it. I mean, going down through there. Now on the either side of this is like this swampland marsh stuff. You can't tell it from this picture, but it's like wet down there. And I know it's wet down there because I fell off the thing. And I'm not like a fast person. But I was fast that day to get like back on the, the sidewalk deal. Anyway, so go, go to the next one. All right, so finally you get out there and you spend hours and hours, sometimes, sometimes to these more remote one days. No, this was not so remote for us. And there'd be like two or three little, little houses, shacks back there. These folks only have contact kind of with the outside world, maybe three, four times a year. Some of the more isolated ones, they'll come out and they'll buy supplies and come back in. The thing, the challenge with this, the missionary challenge with this is they're so isolated. They're so isolated. And the challenge is to have enough missionaries, enough people. And when I say missionary, I'm talking about people in Brazilian churches, Baptist churches, who will go out and invest and get to know these people because it's a pain to go out there. I mean, I'll just tell you, it's a pain to go out there. But can I tell you something? Sometimes when you're pointing the light to, to Jesus, it's a pain to do that. You have to get out of your comfort zone. You have to give up some of your time. You have to do things that you're not used to doing. So we do the, well, I'm not going to get into that. But it can, it can change your life. When you get serious about this, it can change your life as far as getting you to do some things that you're not in the habit of doing. You know, you know the single hardest thing in the world to do? Change. That's the hardest thing in the world to do is change something. All right? So the point of this is there's two. One is, when I look at this, I go, do we have something similar here in the U.S.? Maybe not in geography, but we've got similar in this, is that when we really are, are called to point the light to Jesus, we're going to have to get out of our comfort zones, we're going to have to change, we're going to have to do something uncomfortable that takes time that we don't really want to do. That's point number one. Another point is, do you have people that are isolated like this in the U.S.? Or no, here, right around you? Okay, here's my answer. I think you do, but not in geography. People are isolated. People are lonely. 
There may be people in this room who are lonely, who are not connected with other people, because we tend to, let's just be honest, and I'll talk to the guys here, maybe the girls aren't like this, but the guys, we kind of put up these walls. We're only going to let in, let in who we want to let in. And our tendency is to kind of put up these barriers. And you see it all the time. You see it all the time, you see it in churches. Hey, how are you doing? What's your answer? One word. Fine. Stop lying. I mean, seriously. You're not doing, not everybody all the time is doing fine. I'm not saying out in the hallway, hey, how are you doing? Oh, let me tell you about all my 15 problems that I've got. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying at some point, we've got to be open and authentic with people. And especially in the church, that's what the church is. We're a community of people walking together to follow Jesus. And we've got to be open and honest and vulnerable with each other so that we can help each other walk down that road. And if you're in this church or in any other church, but you're not like being honest and you're just closing yourself off, that's not really what the church is about. The church is about true community and fellowship that has that element of authenticity in it. All right. Hey, thank you. This is, um, yeah. The, the, it's not real deep this morning. Maybe it is. I don't know. It's pretty simple. But I want us to look and go back and go, okay, are we really walking in the light, abiding in Christ, and pointing people to Jesus? That's kind of the foundational issue on which we build our faith and our life. All right, let me pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you for today. God, I thank you for this church. God, I thank you for their faithfulness to send missionaries and support missionaries and love missionaries and be a witness in this community in this part of South Florida. God, I thank you for, the, for them. God, I pray for um, just open hearts, God, that we would just really press into you and abide in you and follow you and have the courage to point others to you. God, we just thank you for the way that you love us and take care of us and brought us into your family and adopted us as sons and daughters. And God, just let us live close to you. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen.